Welcome to the Super Fantastic Nerd Hour, episode 68. We're talking Tomorrowland. It's Ali Matu, and I'm joined, as always, by AJ Conrad. How's it going, Conrad? Going really well, Ali. Oh my gosh, we've got a pretty fun episode today. We're talking Tomorrowland, and, uh, you know, this is a big Disney episode, so we thought we'd bring back our Disney expert. Welcome back to the podcast for her third appearance, Diana Chang. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. I'm so glad to be back. Yay! Yay, Diana! Was Diana. On our- Yay! Diana dance. Um, so, if you could tell from the audio podcast you're listening to, we just did a little Diana dance here um, at Nerd Hour Studios. <laughs> so, Diana was on for Big Hero Six. Uh, you're on our a wonderful fiftieth uh, episode on oh, what is a nerd, and uh, we thought you'd be wonderful to talk about our Disney filled episode today. We're talking to Tomorrowland, uh, and in the crossover chamber, Tomorrowland versus. Pi- Pirates of the Caribbean, the curse of the Black Pearl. And Conrad, what is our top five today? Top five is going to be a lot of fun, especially with Diana here. We are talking about top five Disney rides. And would you also include attractions in that, Ali? I think anything that you have to stand in line for and it's at a Disney park is fair game. All right. All right. And I'm curious. I cannot wait to hear what Diana has to say, given her... (laughs) close relationship with Disney. <laughs> well, since I did work at Disney World, a lot of my choices are more skewed towards Disney World and rather than Disneyland, but they share a lot of common rides. So, Well, hold on now, Diana, host of Without a License. I know for a fact you did an episode of your YouTube channel on visiting Disneyland. Yes, I did. Two parks in one day. Ooh, so for those of you who can't wait till the end of the podcast or... Or don't know how to forward your way to the top five, you can check out that episode for a little bit more on Diana's thoughts on Disneyland. And actually, that day at Disneyland, Ali affected that day just a little bit, and you guys can watch I that episode remember. to see why. Yeah, I make a, uh, you, you give a shout out to, yeah, yeah, well, that was a very cool experience. Yeah. Um, but before we get to Disney rides, we are talking Tomorrowland, and folks, we're going to do a non-spoiler quick review for those of you who are listening to podcasts and have not seen Tomorrowland yet and want to stay spoiler-free, and then we'll dive into spoilers. But this is an interesting project. This is something that I was following very closely for a while, um, mainly because of the people involved. Uh, Brad Bird, who many of us um, really love from The Iron Giant. Conrad, we've talked about that. Oh, yeah. Film the Incredibles. The Incredibles. Uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dinah, you and I saw that together. Oh, my God. We loved so that film. Um, so the director is really well known for take, for doing such great action set pieces. Damon Lindelof, who kind of has a mixed review from his involvement in Lost and Prometheus and now Tomorrowland, um, who worked with Brad Bird on, on writing this film. George Clooney, who I can say... Nguyen has a very strong interest in for various reasons, but also someone who's been very careful with the types of roles he takes on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hugh Laurie, who, Conrad, I, I know you're a big fan. Uh, I don't know where you got that idea. I was very, <laughs> no, I was extraordinarily excited to see the cast for this film. So, And Britt Robertson, who's our female lead in this film, 
who has been in been a few different things in the past, but this is kind of her first big role. Um, many people probably know her from Under the Dome. So I'm just kind of wondering, a lot of really big talent um, tied into this film. They had a very mysterious rollout campaign. Going into this film, what were you all thinking? Well, I, Oh, go ahead, Diana. We'll let you start oh, out. Okay. I did not think of it as anything because <laughs> it was... The trailer itself, if you guys have been watching the trailer, it's very vague. Yeah. So you don't know what's going on. And all I, knew, all I went in was hoping that they would represent Tomorrowland in the way that was true to Disney. Mm. So you, well, you didn't really – the trailer is really good. Mm-hmm. And the trailer is mysterious. Okay. Uh, I think the trailer is really good and mysterious, and this is, you know, this is our spoiler-free part of the the review, so I won't get in, uh, we can talk about some of the other insights I have about this, but, and the the trailer absolutely hooked me, because it was just, it it looked amazing, it was surprising, it was mysterious, Um, it had just, just, it looked beautiful. Uh, just in terms of the the visuals and I was just excited to see it based on the very limited information I got from the trailer but after thinking about the trailer I was wondering how is this the best way to market to the audience that that they want to bring in Um, because if you're looking to bring more about well if you're looking to bring it grab me but I am a super nerd and I'm you know not a kid and, you know, if it's a Disney film, I, I I think that this could appeal to a wide range of people. I don't think that they did a good job marketing it to a wide range of people. Um, and well, especially... But that's why they had Tim McGraw in the film. No, of course. <laughs> what? No, but you know what I'm saying. Like if this, if this, if this is going to be, and, and I, again, I don't want to get, I don't want to give away what, too much of what I thought about it yet, but if this is going to be a film for for kids um and it it, the trailer was inspiring it just felt like it needed to be tweaked a little bit more or spun a little bit differently to draw them in because it's almost too mysterious well um i don't know about youtube but i was incredibly excited about this film um so tomorrowland is my favorite land at disney um (laughs) i should say Mm. no i know Surprise! I can't uh, imagine why that might be. <laughs> I've always loved Tomorrowland. Um, I was very excited uh, by the trailer. I, I really love George Clooney. I think he's a, he's a really fantastic actor. And um, I, I love the mystery. I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. And trailers nowadays give away so much. Uh, the, the Fantastic Four trailer has been criticized for giving given away some of the main plot twists, the Terminator Genesis trailer for the five people out there who are excited about this film has been criticized for giving away the big twist in that film. I liked how I know much about this. I like how it's very mysterious. I like how they didn't even reveal the title of this film for quite some time in. I think they first called it like 1952 or something like that was the, was the working title of this film. Um, so I was really quite excited about this. Um, I also had no clue what it was about. I stayed away from spoilers. And um, I think the two of you also didn't know much about this film be- right before you saw it, right? Yeah, I don't. And there wasn't that many spoilers leaked out there. Because like, yeah. I'm, the, I'm not the type to like, 
um, shy away from spoilers. If anything, I usually read the Wikipedia before I actually watch the movie. So there wasn't that much out there about Tomorrowland, even if you wanted to see it, like wanted to know what it was about. No, there wasn't. And I guess what I was trying to say, Ali, was more just like I love the mystery about it, but I feel like they should have maybe leaked another mysterious trailer or two not necessarily given away the ghost or given up the ghost in terms of like oversharing information, but yeah. especially when people like to get kids excited, you need to show them cooler stuff than what they showed. And yes. I don't, I don't, it's enough to get us excited, the three of us excited, but I think that the people that would, some of the people that would really enjoy this film are kids. And yeah. the theater that I was in opening weekend was like empty. Yeah, and, there well, is, so- and there and there were some kids in there, and they were having a blast. And it just, it honestly, it made me really sad that more kids weren't getting to see this. You know what I mean? It's a perfect film for kids, and it's actually one of the better options out there right now. So, Maji the dog also agrees with your see, point. Maji, uh, Maji she- heard the vehemence in my voice. So. <laughs> she was. She was not happy with yeah. uh, with the way this film was marketed. No. So. So, you know, this is supposed to take, uh, this is supposed to carry forward the idea of Tomorrowland. And when Walt Disney opened up Tomorrowland, he said, tomorrow can be a wonderful age. Our scientists today are opening the doors of the space age to achievements that will benefit our children and generations to come. The Tomorrowland attractions have been designed to give you an opportunity to participate in adventures that are a living blueprint of our future. Diana Chang, as someone who wanted this film to honor that vision, that spirit of Tomorrowland, do you think this film lived up to Walt Disney's vision? Well, Maji is egging me on to say my answer, by the way. She's very excited about this. I think, not to spoil it a little, yeah. not to spoil it at all, but it did, but not to the extent that I wanted it to. Like, I think it was kind of a watered down of what people saw in Tomorrowland. Hmm. What was watered down about it? As much as you can say without... I feel like it didn't go all the way of how Tomorrowland should be. Because in kind of an essence, Tomorrowland is basically a, a theme park version of Epcot and that's what you know because when they when Disney first started making Disneyland Park Tomorrowland was like the portion of the theme park that was that he wanted for like technology and science and stuff like that and that's when when he built Disney World he had Epcot in mind and that I felt like that was taking away from Tomorrowland and expanding it to become uh, Epcot was supposed to be like a community a functioning Community of the future. Experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> or what was it called? Every polyester costume of tomorrow. <laughs> I see or something that. Like that. That's what, totally. I think that's hey, what they told me when I got my costume. I don't know about you guys, but I would absolutely live in Epcot Center. Oh, I do it. Yeah. yeah. Totally oh, do it. I, I totally do- live in Spaceship Earth, right in that Totally. I would do it. <laughs> I think we should write a proposal. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the evening, you can go and, like, eat Around your way the through the world. Yeah, starting um, with Norway. <laughs> um, we, have a, we have a friend that he 
when we visited Florida, he, he went to Disney World with us, but he's been so many times that like he kind of knows the ins and outs. And so we did the Norway and we were like, oh, should we do the Norway ride? He's like, yeah, it's kind of got a boat ride. There's some weird trolls and just run out through the end to avoid the uh, tourist movie. <laughs> At the end, <laughs> and he had it all spot on. And so, at the end, he's just like, "Run, run right through! Don't stop! Don't stop!" Or it's like a thirty-minute uh, like film from the tourism board. God, I, I hate that ride so much. <laughs> it's, it's the, it's it's the worst thing at Epcot. It is but, terrible. So, Dada, you were saying that Epcot is this ultimate expansion of Walt Disney's view of tomorrow. So, I don't get it. What what was what was watered down in the film? For me, it was kind of, again, not spoiling, but it was only a glimpse right. of what mm. it could be, of what Tomorrowland should be. And it was just the, it really was superficial because all you saw was the outside world. Mm. You only I, saw the outside of Tomorrowland. I felt the same way. And I, by the way, and I'm going to say this, I really liked this film. Um, I this is one of the my favorite films that I've watched this year. Uh, not that it was the best Whoa. film. No, I just seen just the experience of watching it, and honestly, the reactions of the kids watching yeah. it made this such a great experience. Um, I but from a what I was hoping to see was probably similar to what Diana's expectations were. I was hoping to see a lot more Tomorrowland, and they set it up really well uh, in sort of the entry into Tomorrowland um, without giving that away because that's a pretty big spoiler um, but it, I, once they an got awesome there what, it's an amazing way that they get there but it's it, once they got there I was just hoping to see a lot more and a lot you know you get sort of you get glimpses of it here and there but not not sort of the detail that you really want to see sort of the unboxing of Tomorrowland that I was hoping to see um, yeah, it still does look amazing, but it's sort of this veneer. It's sort of like it's sort of the outside packaging of Tomorrowland, but you don't get to really see the gift, so to speak. So basically what you two are saying is, um, Conrad, you loved going there to the land. Diana, you were excited about going to this land. But for both of you, it, it was almost like going to the real Tomorrowland and not being able to go on the rides. It's like observing it, experiencing it, but not really knowing what's on the inside. It's not even that. It's like you go to Tomorrowland, you went on the rides, but that's not the point of Tomorrowland. That yeah. Tomorrowland is supposed to be a, a, a land of geniuses and um, the people ahead, like who are creative and like ahead of their game, like the top experts. It's kind of like if you guys have watched the TV show Eureka. So, I was just about to say that. Like exactly. that's what that's what I thought they were going to be going for, and I wanted to see all the yeah. cool things that they had invented. And I was yeah, just like, exactly. I was kind of like, Eureka did this. Why didn't they do it here? It's a bunch of nerdy geniuses living together in peaceful exactly. harmony. And I was so excited to see that. I was. I really wanted to see something like that. Like you go into a coffee shop and you just see an astrophysicist talking to a major philosopher, and they're talking both about the same thing, but answering it in totally different ways. And it's just yeah. over a morning bagel, and it's totally yeah. every day. Like that's and, what I expected to see. And as a side, a little side note: if you haven't watched Eureka and you're a nerd, you should because it's a lot of fun. Are you talking to me? Because so I have not seen it. It is so I, good. I was indirectly <laughs> talking to you, Ali, and I think I think Luan would I like it too. I convinced my non-nerd boyfriend to watch it, and he loves it. So I feel like even if you're not a 
nerd, you should still watch it anyways because it is so cool. And it well, does so, it, for uh, me. For me, it does everything The Big Bang Theory doesn't. So oh, uh, that's that's uh, that's pretty good that's because that because it's yeah, it's celebrating it's celebrating smart, creative people, and it's celebrating nerdiness. And it's it's you know that alone makes makes it very. A very happy thing for me, but but anyway, Tomorrowland. Back to the non-spoiler view. I liked it. Well, I, I, you know, but there was that was just the the critic as you know. After I finished the film, I was just kind of like, I was immediately thinking, I wonder what the director's cut looked like. If there was some, yeah. if there was some more vision or some some extended scenes where you get to see a lot more. But it feels like even if you have that, it still probably wouldn't be enough for me anyway. Well, so I, I think I'm right in between both of you. I think, Conrad, you liked it more than me, and um, I enjoyed it more than you, Diana. I feel like we've got yes. a little bit of a reverse reversal on mm. our Avengers Age of Ultron episode, Conrad, where you were kind of okay with the film. I really did not like it, and Lowen really loved it. Um, so, uh, well, so I, I'm still in the middle, basically. I love <laughs> I, I liked, I'm in the middle this time. I liked Age of Ultron. <laughs> but I did not like Tomorrowland, so I'm exactly really? opposite of you. So you're okay. So everything is getting inverse. So we're in some kind of weird universe here. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you guys, I love the videos in this film. This film is about optimism, science, and and believing that things can get better. I've got some criticisms about that. I'll talk about it in spoilers a little bit later. But I thought it was pretty refreshing. Um, given what, what it, as much as I, I love Mad Max, I really, really do. This is the total um, opposite of Mad Max. This is the total opposite of, of Fury Road. Total opposite in, in every way. And that was just refreshing. I, I, I love that we can see both of these films in theaters now, that we've got a little bit of diversity here in our science fiction, because we're going to get more dystopia with Terminator, and we're going to get more of that kind of stuff. Um, and we had Ex Machina a few weeks ago, and I just like that this film exists. Uh, I think this works well as a family film for the most part. I think 10-year-old me would be all over this film, um, but adult me kind of does see some of the flaws here. Um, despite those flaws, I, I did enjoy it. I think this film is very poorly edited. I think the pacing right in the middle, you get bored in this film. And there's some really great action sequences. There's um, um, uh, without giving spoilers, I can say the whole the action that takes place at a home is really cool. I yes. like that whole sequence. Really great set piece. Um, however, the action at the climax of the film and at the end when you're really in Tomorrowland, pretty boring. Um, I also think, in addition to the editing, one of the other problems is there's a lot of the major things that are revealed are revealed in very heavy dialogue. That is pretty hard to follow. There's, you know, well, this happened and then this happened and then, of course, this happened. And you're like, wait, what was that first thing that happened? Oh, shoot. I already missed the last thing that happened. Wait, what are they doing now? So I think there's a lot of tell and telling and not showing, um, which is a little bit of a problem, which I think will probably make this hard for some kids to sort of get what happens at the end. That being said, I'm glad this film exists. I think if you really love science fiction, probably go check it out. I think a lot of Trekkies will probably like this film, given it's kind of optimistic, some of its optimistic views. That being said, um, 
this it's it's not it's not the best. I feel like well, it's the- I, I'm going to make an argument for why I think it's better than you're giving it credit for. Um, I do Let's see. Conrad. I do see some of the weaknesses that you're talking about, but I have sat through, especially and and totally understanding that a lot of like the Marvel franchise and those kinds of things aren't necessarily meant for kids. So kids go to those films, and again, you know, parents know their kids best and what they can handle and what they can't. But the amount of violence and just the negative outlook about what our world is like. It to me is is a little bit sad. Um, I I I feel like there isn't enough content out there that is positive and looking at science in a positive way. There's often just like a negative, like there's there's a negative spin on a lot of it, and I feel like this, like Eureka, has a positive spin. Uh, I do. I, I understand what you're talking about with the dialogue. I think some of the editing could have been better to make it a little bit more understandable and honestly forceful. And I think that if they had added in, if only Diana and I had been there during this creative process, they would have shown <laughs> us. They would have shown us a lot more Tomorrowland and the creations and what it's like living there. And that would have been a lot more exciting, especially for kids. But this is the thing. I thought that the cast was great. And I really, really cast loved. Cast is awesome. Everyone's I really, cast really loved both the female leads in this, and I'm going to call them both leads. Um, yeah. And they, the the main character who we we follow her experience, and she is definitely the optimist in this in this movie. Um, she she's very smart. You're talking about. Britt Robertson uh, as Casey. Casey, as Casey, Casey yep. Casey um, and and she's got a great relationship with her dad. She's encouraged to pursue uh, Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw, <laughs> but she's encouraged to pursue her endeavors, like her scientific endeavors, um, her personal endeavors, and you get that support. This is a character that we haven't seen a lot a lot of. She has her own agency. She kind of go, goes yeah. and does her own thing. She makes her own decisions. I really, really liked this as a role model, quite honestly. And then following up um, just in the supporting role uh, was Rafi Cassidy as Athena, and she was incredibly, I thought she did just an amazing job, um, just as a, you know, in, ter- in terms of, of a foil for a lot of things. And as expl- as sort of the, uh, I, I, would you call her the concierge of Tomorrowland, sort of? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe uh, the tour guide, so, tour opera- guide operator, or something like that. Like but a travel agent. I feel perhaps. like yes. she's like the Morpheus. Yeah, yeah. She she's is a like little a Morpheus. Morpheus. Yeah. And she's a very, I mean, she's a very powerful character. I haven't seen yes. characters, female characters portrayed like this, and like in this age group in a really long time. And it's not, and the kids are treated, they are just treated in a very different way. I, and bait, and again, this was, probably one of my favorite parts of the film are the kids in the audience who were like repeating lines they thought certain things were totally cool and they were really getting into it so even if they may have missed a couple of the like the sort of admittedly weak weaker wrap-up at the end um i think as an experience and as a hopeful experience and getting kids into science and interested in learning about different things i think this did a great job so i'm going to give it Probably a little bit more slack than it sounds like either of you are. <laughs> what do you say to that, Diana? 
I say even okay, seeing seeing it from like a child's eye and something like that and having fun with it, that's all great. But I expected more from this because it's Brad Bird and you know, he did the Incredibles and he was great in Mission Impossible. So when he took the helm, I really thought that this was someone who clearly knew Disney's vision and would be able to pull it through. And to be frank, the reason why I didn't like it as much is because I personally had more fun watching Meet the Robinsons than I did mm. watching Tomorrowland. Ooh. And here's Ooh. the thing, though. Meet the Rob- I love Meet the Robinsons. And I feel you like... You do. You've tried to convince me to watch it. I seriously still want to convince you to watch it because <laughs> it does have... It, I feel like it embraces Tomorrowland. A lot more. In fact, they actually do have a nod to Tomorrowland. They call it Todayland. Yeah. <laughs> in Meet the Robinsons. But it was so much more fun in Meet the Robinsons, given it's animated film, so anything can happen. And people travel through bubbles. And, like, it was so much more – it was – again, it was much more fun and much more playful than the, the Tomorrowland even, you know – at towards the end and in middle and towards the end it's, it was a lot more playful well Conrad I agree with you I think the the parts of the film that work really well are the the cast and these characters we really believe them um, I, I think our, our lead here Britt Robertson is fantastic I, I hope she gets cast in a lot more stuff and I hope she ends up selling a lot more NASA hats because NASA like, hats indeed right I mean I I think absolutely right here. It's great to have a role model who is very pro-science, is a geek in the ways that you can be a geek now, playing with a drone and being able to program and, and do a lot of these things on her own. That's awesome. Uh, I love that we have these types of role models now. When we compare that to some of the other big-name movies out there right now, you don't have a lot of characters like this. I honestly think, not to promote our own previous episode, but I think Big Hero 6 does a lot of these ideas better by making science and geeks cool and doing it in a way that actually has a little bit more substance because I think these <clears throat> I think the overall message of Tomorrowland um, is a little bit simplistic it's just sort of like it, it's these themes of, of uh, believing that things are going to get better and believing that uh, that believing in this what Io 9 called um like the old optimistic view from, you know, the 60s. So I'm going to quote a little bit here from Charlie Jane Anders' review from io9, where she says, the film is so unsubtle. It's like being hit on the head with a ginormous mallet for an hour. I would have loved the film that grapples honestly with the question of why we're less optimistic than we were in the Kennedy era, or a film that attempts to recharge our optimism by showing how we really can build the future that we dreamed about in two de- in the two decades following World War II. Tomorrowland is neither of those things, though. Instead, it presents us with simplistic answers and tries to shame its own audience for liking post-apocalyptic stories. Did you like Mad Max Fury Road? Then Tomorrowland wants you to sit in the corner and think about what you've done. <laughs> well, see, I actually thought it was kind of taking, well... It- I don't want to say taking the piss out of people, but I think it kind of was a little bit. I thought that that was in some ways, yes, it's part of the message, but even the delivery by, because this was in a speech with Hugh Laurie at the end, it was, he's, he's, he's maybe shaming people, but I don't think it's as serious as you think it is. 
Well, I, I don't think he's shaming people, um, I, but I think there is this constant simple message that we're getting, that hope, optimism about the future is good and all this other stuff is bad, when the reality is, I think, there's there's no explanation for why that is. There's no explanation right. for um, how... Both of these things can coexist. And the, the literature, the, the research on optimism is really interesting because there's a lot of stuff that's been written about optimism the day versus optimism about how your life is going versus optimism when you're very stressed versus optimism about society. And the research on that is very different for all of those things. But we know that optimism and pessimism can coexist. And for some people, when they're anxious, thinking, oh, everything's going to be okay, we'll get through this, is helpful. For other people, it's not helpful. And they actually, what helps them to reduce their anxiety is to plan for all the different outcomes that can happen. So all that being said... The reality on optimism is is a complicated picture, and I, I don't think this film really um, gets to any of that. I think I'm I th- expecting to, but I'm but expecting a little bit more. I I think if they had shown a little bit more of what those scientists had in mind, that would have gone a long way to making it a little bit more robust. Um, but again, I I enjoyed it, and I liked hearing how much the kids enjoyed it. And even as we were walking out of the theater, the kids were talking just nonstop about the different things that they had seen in the film and the different things that they wanted to do. So maybe the message yeah. was simplistic, but I think it had the, that, that the hoped for, for family I think, audience. Well, I think it had the hoped for effect. And again, it's a Disney film. And I think yeah. often and I think often we forget who these are really supposed to be for. I mean, adults can enjoy them, too, but they're, if I had watched this film when I was, like, you know, a youngin, I probably would have just loved it. It, gave, it, did, you know give it, me, it did give me that little Disney magic feeling. Parts of it, parts of it, I was a little bit disappointed with, but it gave me that, that great feeling you have after watching a film when, uh, especially, like, when you have, when you're watching... Um, you know, the Disney special presentation on the weekend and that, that whole theme song comes on. I thought that that was in line with, with my memory, like my nostalgia of Disney. And when I saw how excited those kids were, it really reminded me of that too. So uh, speaking of theme song, I do love how from the get-go, the Disney yes. logo. I was yes. to say that. That was the high for me, and then it went, just went downhill. Oh, that. boom. Um, Conrad, I, I think you're, you're right. Um, the film reminded me very much of what my experience watching The Rocketeer was, um, and that was seeing that character standing up for good, and maybe it's the rocket packs that, that's kind of reminding me of that. But that film had a huge impact on me as, as a kid, and maybe this will have impacts uh, – have a huge impact on on young people now. You guys want to do some uh, non spoiler thoughts? Spoiler thoughts. I mean spoiler thoughts because it sounds like Dinah, you're saying skip it. Conrad, you're saying watch it. I'm saying maybe watch it if you're a fan or if you got young kids. Yeah, well, mine. I'm gonna do a little caveat. Don't skip it. Skip it in the movie theaters and just wait until it goes on Netflix and just watch it from home. There's no reason to go to theaters for this one, and there's no reason to buy it on DVD to rewatch it again, in my opinion. 
and Conrad, you'll, you're given the film a full endorsement. Um, I think it's worth seeing in the theaters, and I think it's it's one of the yeah, you know, and you know me, Ollie, in terms of my uh, watching TV, watching uh, films in the theater. I have not yeah, had a like lot. <laughs> I have not had a lot of good luck, and this was actually a really great experience. Um, oh, so, um, so you've I, I'm, heard I'm, it. You've had and, a lot of bad experience. Uh, no, but I'm, and especially if you're looking for films to take your kids to, this is a great option. And I don't think that it's getting enough credit, and I don't think the marketing was really marketing to the audience that they should have been trying to capture. So, so I right. say go see so, it. So let's let's do some non-spoiler thoughts. So for those of you who haven't seen the film, probably time to pause. It. We're going to get into spoilers now at this point. Um, all right. So here's, here's, I think, one of my problems with the film. Um, something that, that we watched beforehand was one of the cut scenes from uh, the film. This was actually a scene that Pixar had animated um, that was a, a little bit of an explanation of th- these people who create Tomorrowland, the Plus Ultra group, that group of Edison... Um, Edison and Tesla, Tesla, as well as uh, Eiffel, Eiffel, and uh, Mr. Sci-Fi, uh, Jules Verne. So that these four individuals brought together, uh, wanted to bring together the greatest uh, forces for imagination, as well as science and technology to find a way to build a better future. And so uh, Brad Bird had Pixar, Pixar do this animated sequence that explains how that group of people came together. And we were supposed to see that in the, in the film in one of the main sequences when we see It's a Small World, which is, I think, a scene that we were talking about when our main character played, or one of the main characters uh, played by George Clooney, Frank Walker, Walker uh, sort of sneaks his way onto the small world um, in in the World's Fair, and that kind of transports him to Tomorrowland. The problem, I, I love that scene. And Actually, I think I think my favorite parts of the the film were those initial scenes with the World's Fair, yes. and yeah. and that actually really. They totally made my expectations really high as I was watching that, and then it just kind of petered out, you know, in terms of where the film ended up. Even though I liked it, I, I definitely agree with you in the critiques about the storytelling and, and the pacing. But, man, did they do a great job setting that up. And what a, what a great idea to have the small world ride be the portal into Tomorrowland. How, what a great <laughs> the ride idea. no one wants to ever go on anymore. No, that's what like, I mean. It's like, yeah. it's, it's just sort of this such an interesting and weird idea and and he was so great. Like the the actor who they cast as young uh, young Frank Walker did a really great job. And he and he, I mean, he did he did have some Clooney expressions, which was yeah, interesting. Yes. Thomas but, Robinson, who we haven't really seen in in, in much before, um, he he was great in there. And I, I agree with and, you guys. And, and is- I also love that he ends up when he he's kind of like figuring out where to go, and he doesn't. He's not terrified, but he's like trying to figure things out. And when he ends up in the little, uh, what looks like a subway car, kind of, and it's not really made for somebody his size. Like, oh yeah! Like there's <laughs> just all these very like cute little details that they threw in there that made it so exciting. Um, and that and- was very bad bird. The way that scene 
is done, the way the action works in that scene. And that, I think, that gets to Dinah some your criticism of this film. I wanted to learn so much more about Plus Ultra. And since that cutscene is cut, we don't really learn about Plus Ultra until way later in the film when we find out there's this secret rocket ship in the Eiffel Tower. That part was really cool. I that was very how cool. It, how tomorrow it kind of bleeds into our world. Yes, bit. yes. And uh, the way we in and I would have loved to learn more about that. I think this film alludes to the fact that Walt Disney was a member of Plus Ultra. They, they wanted to cut down on the amount of Walt Disney references because Damon Lindelof said they, they, they felt like they were winking too much to the audience. Okay, I get that. But if we had learned more about that, those individuals, how they came together, I think that would have been really interesting. And I think... This film is painting such an all-or-nothing perspective on the present, that the present is so negative-focused, except for some of these exceptional individuals like Casey Newton. Um, but I don't think that's, that's true. We have a lot of great innovators. We have a lot of, uh, you know, Tesla, the, the motor company now named after Tesla, um, had just a few weeks ago unveiled these new, new batteries that could completely change the way we harness and use power in the world. There's a lot of really interesting stuff happening, and I think if the film was able to tie these things together a little bit more, um, boy, it would have it done exactly what you were going on, Red, even more so. I think as a, as a kid walking out, you're like, okay, believe in the future, and we see a little bit of a role model to do that in Casey Newton. But beyond that, beyond Casey, we don't really see a lot of, okay, well, how do I do this? You know, right. if you look at Guardians of the Galaxy, a big message there is let's work together. And that film does such a good job of showing you how to do that. Similarly with Hero 6, it shows you how innovation can really help you out. This film was lacking that. It felt like this film was set up, well, Something I would watch Tomorrowland 2 after this film and they fit it all out, they brought it all back. I want to see Tomorrowland 2 when everything when their shit is together, basically. Or I want to see tomorrow I want to see Tomorrowland prequel when they're creating Exactly the Tomorrowland. So not this part. (laughs) Totally like what what are they actually this is what you're saying, Dan? What are they actually doing there? We didn't even like walk into that many buildings in Tomorrowland. And and we didn't see that many people. It was as if Spoiler, Frank Walker developed that machine, and then everyone's like, okay, everyone out, everyone. It felt like, and then we only we only found out that Frank Walker and Athena got kicked out. So were they the only two people left? We, just- we also didn't really figure out why they were kicked out. And that was something I wanted to learn. I really like, I like all the characters here. There wasn't even yes. Tim McGraw. I, okay, I keep making fun of him, but I actually think he did a Mr. good job. Mr. Faith Hill is wonderful. <laughs> he, did, I think, he did a good job. I here. think he did a good job. I think that they wasted Hugh Laurie in this, and they didn't do enough yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody lies. Also, and- big shout-out to Pierce Gagnon, who plays Nate. Casey's little brother. He was great. In oh, the he was so great. He was so cute. I also, so cute. I also love their relationship. Yes. yes. I thought that was fantastic. It was such a real sibling relationship. They really got that. Like, I'm going to cover your back, but I want in. Yeah. Um, I love that. And it, some of my favorite scenes were in the relationships. I love when Frank Walker goes, can you stop being so amazed uh, to Casey? And I, I love that sort of dynamic about this person who 
was so amazed himself. And then something happened and he stopped believing. And now there's this person that's sort of coming in like a wrecking ball and, and bringing back optimism. Um, okay, that's enough like song references in, for, in one For me, though, one of my favorite moments between Casey and her brother was when she's leaving and he's like, you're going to come back from, right? And she's yeah. like, I will come back for you. Like she is in her mind, like she's going someplace new, but she's not going to forget her family. Like she's going to bring right. them to that place. I, like share the wealth. Like there's no exclusion. Everyone's in it together. Yeah, I love that part. So it, it's... Can we talk about the the set piece at Walker's residence um, when Casey and Frank are sort of uh, being chased by these robots um, and or androids, whatever you want to call them? That was one of my favorite action sequences. In the that was a, that was a great sequence, and it also what I loved about it. First of all, it showed how far Frank had come in terms of his inventing. Yes. Yeah. And what he brought back with him from Tomorrowland. And so I actually really thought after that particular scene, when they're going to make their way back to Tomorrowland, that we're going to see more of that. I thought that that was just the precursor. Yes. And that yeah. never happened. So I was just That's like, what? Happened. And but- there's also the fact that like they, they, they destroyed all those robots and we always thought that those robots were the, th- the threat. And then later on in the final action sequence, nowhere to be found and it's like yeah. where did that come from yeah then? that was a thread that gets completely dropped and that's where it, it's something went awry in this film and well I again i wonder what the director's cut looks like i wonder yeah. what like i i have to wonder what why some of these decisions were made because it wouldn't have taken a ton to make it better so uh, yeah no but it yeah. wouldn't just a little bit of tightening there. And Brad but, Bird is such a master at pacing. Right. He, is, he took Ghost Protocol, which doesn't really have the greatest script, but the way he paces it, the way he sets it up, mm-hmm. that film is a nonstop adrenaline rush. And that set piece with, with Walker's Home is the closest I felt like we came to seeing Brad Bird do what he does best. Oh, man, uh, and it's nonstop, too. And it's very cool. Like, the lead-in, it leads in kind of slow. And then once you get to to the point where, you know, and you're not quite sure what to think about Frank Walker at this, you know, when she's encountering him, their interactions are a little bit tough to begin with. He's combative and just, he doesn't even want to let her into the house. And then when all hell breaks loose, it's just action after action after action. And you think that it's going to, you don't think there's going to be even more. And it just keeps getting more and more dramatic. Like, it's a lot of fun. And related to that action, I also love that style of technology, Conrad, that you're talking about here in that that scene. I love the look of technology in this film. You see um, Space Mountain many times in the landscape. Mm -hmm. And I love how this whole land is sort of, like you take the architectural style of Space Mountain, you also combine it with some of the Jules Verne retrofitting of Tomorrowland. Disneyland now has its third version of Tomorrowland because they didn't want Tomorrowland to look like Yesterdayland. Yeah. So they've been updating it. But it's, it's got this very classic Jules Verne type of look to it. Mm-hmm. And I love how that technology looks. Um, it looks retro. It does look like this... JFK era, early NASA, what we, where we believed we would be at this point. If you take that vision and play it out, this is what the world would look like. And I loved seeing that. I love that style. I want to live there. Yeah. No, it looked amazing. 
So I just yeah, wanted my, more. I just wanted more detail. That's all. Yes, my yeah. my gripes with this film is solely about the content and the plot, not for the visuals, because it was stunning. It was really cool, but again, it was only surface, and it was not. You weren't really drawn into it, and the only time you were in there is like a really stark building. Can I tell you guys one thing that I was drawn into was that sci-fi store. Oh yeah, <laughs> I knew I was gonna. Past. I thought that they used their uh, their rights to to Lucas. Oh my gosh! <laughs> pretty well. Oh, and just as uh, there was a trailer for Star Wars, when did you guys see that too, or was that just oh, on my? Oh yeah, no, that. Um, was, okay. And one of the best things is when the logo came up. One of the little kids in the front of the theater was like, Star Wars, it's Star Wars. Like he was so excited, <laughs> and nothing had even happened. There was nothing, just the logo. I'm not so, even sure that little kid was not me. It, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, I, thought you were, I thought you were going to say, are you really talking about you? <laughs> <laughs> but it was very, it was so good watching that. Well, and, that scene, well, the scene, well, what's funny about that scene, Conrad, is because now Disney owns Star Wars, there was a lot of Star Wars stuff yep. in that. We had Han Solo, life-size carbonite. We had R2-D2. Um, there was a Wookiee noise somewhere in there. I don't know what they Wookiee hit. Noise. There was a TIE fighter hanging from the ceiling, an X-wing f- hanging from the ceiling. Interestingly, a lot of stuff from the original trilogy, not much from the prequel trilogy. But we also saw an Iron Giant. Yeah, uh, I was happy about that. That was cool. That's a nice little Brad Bird reference. Um, the this, this closing door sound effect was yes. Star, the Star Trek sound effect from the original series. Uh, closing counters of a third kind poster. Some other classic movie po- posters. The villain from Toy Story, that sci-fi villain. What's his mm-hmm. name? Um, um, Z- Zorg. 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 He was in there. So it was nice to see a little bit of that. I think, yeah, visually this film... The film was was great. Um, I also got to hand it to my man, Michael Giacchino. I love this guy. Uh, great score from him. Um, he also has a nice little cameo scene um, as uh, the small world operator. That was pretty cool to see. So I think, I, I think you know, we, we've kind of like talked about this film. I don't know what went wrong in fleshing out some of the details, I still think it's overall a great experience for any sci-fi fan. And it's here's I got to say this, you know, I'm a huge Trekkie. The last Star Trek film, not the most optimistic film. Um, Star Trek, this is what Tomorrowland is doing what Star Trek is supposed to do, which is make you uh, an optimistic vision of the future. Um, I don't know if it did that super well, but I very much tip my hat to the effort and the ambition. Effort. Exactly. I think it's worth seeing for that if you're a fan of science fiction. Absolutely. Or if you got kids and you want them to watch something beyond Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you guys want to say here while we're in spoiler town? No, I, th- I think I've said everything that I need to say. Uh, but, you know, I, I would definitely, I, I absolutely want to see the the outtakes and the director's cut i want to see the what the lost footage so to speak yeah i kind of want to see the behind the scenes and see what they're thinking yeah is. me too me too yeah absolutely and uh you know it's 
I tip my hat to Disney for making this. It's too bad the film's uh, gross this weekend was $45 million. It barely beat I Pitch think, Perfect though, 2. It's, again, it's, I agree, kind of agree with Conrad on that. It's the marketing. Yeah. If they, the whole time for the trailers, because we're in spoiler mode, it's all about her picking up the pin. Yeah. But if they showed the part where he rides the jetpack exactly. and he's into land. That's exactly what I was I thinking. See it. They didn't even need to show that much of it. Yeah. They could just show him zooming around. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't have to show all their secrets, and it wouldn't have given away that much. But it would have given enough, because what kid does not want to wear a jetpack? Come on. Yeah, and if they had Young Walker in the those commercials, too, that would tie in more to the kid element, yeah. which you don't see at all. I didn't even know we were going to see a young George Clooney. No, me For me, I, I felt like the story would have been better if it was more Frank Walker than Casey. Ooh, I think Conrad's going to argue I, with you. I don't agree with that. I just wish they had fleshed out Casey a little bit more. That's all, in terms of what she can do. I, I, you guys, I got to say that scene where we see Casey super young and pointing out the constellations. Yeah, that and, was and, so and, and the dad, dad goes, what if we go there and there's nothing out there? And then she goes, what if we go there and there's everything? My heart melted. I sank into the bottom of my seat and I'm like, this film's got me. Like, it's going to have to really mess up for me to not like it. And I think that's why I do like it. And I also liked that, you know, she she can hold her own. And in the action sequences, she did. So oh, she, totally. She rescues George Clooney's character, Frank Walker. I will say the bat scene where she just goes Amazing. crazy with that bat was, it was one of the highlights. Yeah, it was great. When she just goes crazy with the bat and she's just like hitting it nonstop. <laughs> yeah. It's completely done. But she still hits it. That yeah. was great. That was that good. Was great. Well, folks, um, we've got another Disney movie to talk about, believe it or not. I think, Conrad, should we set a course for Disneyland? Go for it. All right. So with that, let's engage into the infinite crossover chamber. It's a small world after all. It's a small world. Dad is looking at me with evil eyes. It's a small small world. So we were actually in the world of the Infinite Crossover Chamber. Conrad, what are we, what two films are we talking about today? Today we are going to pit Tomorrowland against Pirates of the Caribbean. The something of the Black Pearl. The curse. <laughs> the curse. The curse of the Black you, Pearl. You scum, Conrad. Uh, so we're talking about these two films um, and the question today is, what's the better adaptation of a Disney attraction? Now, we've talked about Tomorrowland, which is based on this land. Mm-hmm. And this land is based on this idea of believing in a better future for tomorrow through science and technology. Pirates of the Caribbean is Curse of the Black Pearl. is based on a ride, Pirates of the Caribbean, found in Frontierland, is it, Diana, in Disneyland? I think it's Frontierland. Yeah. And that this is the last ride that Walt Disney personally had a hand in shaping and creating Mm -hmm. by many considered to be his masterpiece ride. And this got turned into a film that came out many moons ago back in 2003 that then led to a lot of sequels. But we're talking about the first one, The Curse of the Black Pearl. So we talked a lot about... Tomorrowland and where we are with that and how how we think of it as an adaptation. What do you guys think of the Curse of the Black Pearl? Well, I I have to say when when 
at first there was this sort of teaser, the idea that uh, the, the Pirates of the Caribbean was going to be a film. My immediate reaction was, oh, man, they must be so hard up that they have <laughs> to, like, base a film on a ride. Like, what are they going to do with that? And I think it's a cool ride and all, but how, like... Why even call it Pirates of the Caribbean? You know what I mean? Like, it just felt so weird and, and strange that they were doing that. Um, and then I'll admit that I watched it and I was like, wow, this is good job. Well done, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was, I had to take it all back because um, it was such, it was so much fun. Uh, Johnny Depp is amazing in it, of course. Um, and it just was, I don't know about an adaptation. I don't know exactly. I mean, Diana may be more familiar with the ride and what the ride is supposed to be. They're, they usually give little snippets about what it's supposed to be, but I don't know that it, that until now when they've sort of retrofitted that ride with, with you know, uh, Captain Jack Johnny Sparrow Death. at the animatronics Sparrow, and stuff like that. Like, I don't know how, how much resemblance there really was, um, but maybe inspiration might be a better term. I don't know. But Diane, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this one. Well, for this one, I, well, I love Pirates of the Caribbean. Just the first movie, though. We'll just, we're only going to oh, focus on that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So Tortuga, I think that's the island. That was basically the nod to the Disney ride because, you know, all the burning and like right. all those, the pirates running around after the girls. And you see the girl in the red dress in the movie and, you know, the dog. No, and, and the there's, yeah. there is totally the nod and, and it's all yeah. throughout that film. I'm just saying like from a storyline perspective, it's kind of like, okay, <laughs> good job, guys. That, that was well done that you came up with this pretty much. I, I mean, it's such a, I don't want to say a fan favorite, but it kind of is. Everybody loves this film. The film or the ride or both? Mm-hmm. I, I think yes. I, I would say both. Like I, I had no, the but... exact same experience as you, Conrad. That first trailer, you see this uh, skeleton walking, and then you know, then the logo is revealed, and you're like, "What?" Yeah. And so I didn't want to see the film. I avoided it for a couple of weeks, and then everyone was telling me, "Hey, you got to go see this." And then I saw it. And it reminded me of all the wonderful things I love about pirates. And pirates had sort of been out of the ethos for a long time. Yes. Did it remind you of the wonderful things about Tiggers? Because Tiggers, sorry. <laughs> you know what it did remind me of? It reminded me of this video game I loved, Monkey Island. I don't know if either of you have played this. No, played it. never played <laughs> it's, it. It's a wonderful side-scrolling adventure game made by LucasArts, now owned by Disney. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Worlds coming together. It's so wibbly wobbly. Coming to a theater near you. <laughs> yeah, oh, I would love that. Guybrush Thurp- Thurpweed is the name of the main character. Anyways, I digress. But um, it... it it was so much fun, this film. Yeah, it was a lot will, of fun. I will say, though, I enjoyed Pirates of the Caribbean more than I did Tomorrowland. But I will be a little bit fair because the message of Tomorrowland is so much heavier than the message of Pirates of the Caribbean. Because right. there is no, like, message this, the really? world of tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. Yeah, like, that's dead men tell no tales. Yeah. Like, that's the dead message. Dead men tell no tales. Like, you know, so there was the whole purpose of Pirates of the Caribbean is for fun. And for adventure. Right. And they have different purposes. Yes, very different purposes. But Pirates of the Caribbean kept me on the edge of my seat. Tomorrowland did not. So then, uh, I I agree. I concur. Um, uh, Getting back to his question, what's the better adaptation of a Disney attraction? I think, uh, you know, if you're... 
<sighs> I think that Tomorrowland, as Diana was saying, it just had a much more ambitious purpose. I think from a visual point of view and the the idea that they were trying to create, I think it was a good effort. But I feel like Pirates really gave you the true feeling. And this is, you know, one. Of, I love this ride. I loved it as a kid. I still love it as an adult. And it is that like kind of cool adventurous thing that you get when you're sitting in that like boat and you sit in the front so you can get soaked, especially if it's a really hot day. Um, and you're kind of like going and they're unveiling the different stories. And, you know, I remember as a kid, as a kid, I didn't know what it was going to be like the first time on that ride. And I got kind of scared. I got Um, so scared. The talking uh, skull. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go down, then you go down like the, the little mini waterfall thing. And, um, it, it was, so there was this, this level of like, kind of like pirates are cool, but they're a little bit scary. And not that I was scared of Pirates of the Caribbean, but I feel like they they were yeah, able were. to cap. No, I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I'm not scared of Keith Richards. Um, <laughs> well, maybe I should be. Um, but yeah, I, think- I feel like they captured that particular magic and that feeling. And I think Tomorrowland tried to do it, but it just wasn't as successful. If they had All shown- right, I like. I like where you're headed here, Conrad. If they so- had shown, if they had shown more, and and keep in mind, I am I am definitely, you know. I am a fan of both of these things. I would say, you know, I, these are some of my favorite things in the Disney, in the Disney park. But um, yeah, I have to. I think I have to go with Pirates of the Caribbean here. So I like how you are defining this: is the feeling that you got being in that ride and uh, and watching that film versus being in Tomorrowland and watching Tomorrowland. But to be fair, though, when you're in Tomorrowland, it's not a ride, so it's. It's a land. It's a land. So it's kind of like comparing something kind of different because when you're in Tomorrowland, you're not actually moving. Like, I mean, you would feel exhilarated if you were in Space Mountain or if you're in Astrobot. But you're feeling when you're walking around Tomorrowland and you're seeing all the cool things that are there and you are getting excited to go on those rides like Space Mountain, um, despite the temper tantrum I had when I was two and threw all my popcorn all over the ground. Because they wouldn't let me on. Oh, uh, no! Oh, well, no, I was... Conrad. Okay, so I was too short to go on Space Mountain at that time. I had a huge fit. And then a Disney... <laughs> and I threw my popcorn all the, all over the ground. And then this poor Disney employee came up because, you know, everything's really member, clean. Conrad. Sorry, cast, cast member came up and started sweeping it all up and apparently I tried to attack him because I was mad <gasps> that he was cleaning up the mess that I had made to show my displeasure at not being allowed <laughs> on Space Mountain. So Space Mountain and I close. We're tight. All right. uh, Diana, but I had this Diana, but I had now this... we know now we know why Conrad does not like the film Tomorrowland. Or <laughs> likes like wait, no, that no, that joke like doesn't it. work because you liked it. I did like Darn it. it. <laughs> However, no, but years later I finally got to go on on uh, Space Mountain, and it, I loved it. I thought it was like going into Doctor Who's world, like the lighting and all like the tunnels oh, yeah. and stuff like I that. I will take Elise's joke and correct it. This is why <laughs> Conrad loves the film. Oh, yeah. She's been a long time She's, fan of Tomorrowland. Yes. Long time, long time. So yes. anyway. Thank you. Thank you. Now, thank that Don't works, Don't worry, Conrad. I understand you. That I knew where you were going. Yeah, my neurons just had a misfire. But, but um, anyway, I just, like, I think that they... It's that sense of awe and wonder yeah, that yeah. you get Land. And you you got that sense. It sounds like you got that sense in the movie too, 
And you're picking Pirates of the Caribbean? I got some of the sense of that, but I still, I have to side with, I agree with Diana in that they didn't show enough of the Tomorrowland that I was hoping to see. And if they had done that, I would have felt like that it probably would have won. But they didn't show me enough of Tomorrowland. The movie's called Tomorrowland, and they don't show me enough of the inner workings. I need to see the... The road to the journey to yeah. the journey to Tomorrowland, yeah. <laughs> the escape to which mountain? No, um, but it it just doesn't show me enough of the things that I want to see. And I'm not saying that there can't be mysteries because there can be, but I want to see the wor- workings. I want to see that community in play. I want to see those scientists like doing what they're doing and being super cool. I, I kind of want to see Eureka in yes. Tomorrowland, but. You know that to be, that's that's it's really funny say. because you know how um, she sees the and when she grabs the pin and she gets through that like canned commercial basically or what Frank Walker calls a commercial and then you realize it's not it. I kind of feel like that. That's what happened to me because uh-huh. I watch a trailer and I'm like, I want to go, I want to go, and then you get there and you're like, ah, oh, crap, I was gypped. <laughs> I I get that. I get that. Yeah, guys, I gotta I gotta side with. Pirates of the Caribbean here, too. I've seen that film so many times. Mm -hmm. I love it. I enjoy it. It's a ton of fun. I listen to the score all the time, the Hans Zimmer score, because it's just, it makes me feel like I can attack stuff and take on the day. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a a great, fun, rip-roaring ride. Oh, my gosh. Ali, do you walk down the street listening to the score, walking like a pirate? Because that would be amazing. No, but it does take. Give me a spring, my step. The whole da 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 I just feel like I can leap over those sidewalks in New York City and walk over the like buckets of crap that we have lying all over the place. Yeah, this is a clear winner for me. Love the ride. Love the movie. They match up really well, and I think that's why they're integrated now, and why the movie has come back and entered into the ride. It's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, totally. It's making me want to watch it again. Exactly. Like, talking about it makes you either want to watch right? it or go on the ride. But Tomorrowland Both doesn't make things. me want to go to Tomorrowland. I'm going to Tomorrowland for Space Mountain. Uh, I mean, if they made a... Speak for yourself, Conrad. Uh, That's Diana. not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> speak for yourself, Dad. Tomorrowland did make me actually want to go to Disney. Yeah, it did make me want to go to well, Disney. Well, I always too. want to go to Disney, so that's just maybe that's our problem. Maybe Disney. we just always maybe we have such a low threshold of stuff that makes us want to go to Disney. Yeah. Well, dear listeners, let us know. We have a three-way tie here: Pirates of the Caribbean over Tomorrowland. Let us know what you think. And with that, we are closing up the doors on the Infinite Crossover Chamber. And. On to our top five. Conrad, that is Conrad. Conrad, what do we have in the top five today? Top five today are top five Disney rides, though we do have a disclaimer since we just talked about Pirates of the Caribbean um, and Tomorrowland overall. uh, That particular ride will not be there, although I think we can. We agreed that we could pick out specific rides in Tomorrowland, right? That's right. Yeah, I think not. We, not that anybody who's talking right now has any intention of picking one of those rides, but just you know, in case they did. Not that a Tomorrowland ride is not my number one choice, but uh, yeah. Well, I think we should be polite here, Conrad, and we should let our guest go first. Our guest Agreed. of honor, Diana. Oh you guys just want to know what I put. Down. Yeah, we do. I do. What is your number five? My number Top five. Disney. Oh, I should say too. All Disneyland parks are up for grabs, and anything that you have to stand in line for 
is considered an attraction. So top five Disney rides or Disney attractions. What do you got for us, Diana? Okay, number five is a out of left field. Philhar Magic. I knew you were going to pick this mm-hmm. because you introduced me to this, but I don't yes. think a lot of people know what this is. It is, um, it is a movie 3D. You know those theme parks that have like the 4D experience, and you sit there. And usually in Universal Studios, it's Shrek. In Disney World, in Magic Donkey. Kingdom, I think it, I think it's in Disneyland. Can't be sure, but in Disney World, it's in Magic Kingdom. It's one of the only reasons why I go to Magic Kingdom. Or even would go through Babyland. Yeah, Magic Kingdom, that. Disney World is, is for Philharmagic because it's. I don't even know. I've lo- never even heard this. Oh my yeah. god! You need to go there. You sit there. You go into a theater and you sit there with your 3D glasses and you get transported into basically a Disney movie. And this is exactly what, as a kid, you go and you watch and you have that same sensation that you get. You follow Donald Duck as he accidentally gets pulled into these Disney movies, and you go into all these different worlds. You go to Lion, you go to Lion King, you go to um, Little Mermaid, you go to Beauty and the Beast, and like you smell the cinnamon of the of uh, the pie yeah. during Beauty and the Beast. You feel the water splashing when you're going to like Little Mermaid. It's everything. It's and it's so immersive, and the details in it is so good because when you first sit in, it looks like an actual theater with like a stage and curtains, but then as you go through it, the set, all the sides of the set. Like they, they kind of disappear into the woodwork, yeah. and you have like this immersive screen around you, and you don't realize it because it's so because they dim the lights and everything like that, and it's just it just brings you into the movie, and it brings you back to what you love about it, and it's three D, so it's coming right at you, which is That's great. That's cool. It's it's a really unique one, and mm-hmm. it's it's not one a lot of people talk and about, and it gives Donald Duck his dues. Because, mm-hmm. it, you know, when you go to Disney World, it's Magic Kingdom. All you see is Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse. But this made me love Donald Duck so much because he's such an underdog. He is. And then he, he goes into this and you follow him through the thing and he's just grumpy. But it's Donald and he's still lovable at the same time. But, yeah, that's my number five. Huh. And uh, you do have to stand in line for it. You can also get a Fast Pass for it. So Fast Passes are the best. Conrad, what do you got for our number five? Um, that would be the Country Bear Jam. Not really. Not really. <laughs> I got you there for a minute. For a minute. Just for a minute. Um, I, I you know some people that would put them. Oh, I do like it, and it especially it's you know it reminds it reminds me a lot of going to Disney World when I was a kid. Yes. Um, because that was something my whole family went to, and it, it's it's very that specific type of animatronics is very dated. And mm-hmm. it just oh, yeah. sort of brings me back. Um, but um, my number five is the uh, the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Ah, oh, this mm. is New Ann's favorite ride at Disney now, World. Now, wildest ride in the wilderness. <laughs> now, part of why part of why it's it's on my list here is because before you know, and this is understanding that I didn't fully understand what Space Mountain was while I was sorting my fit as a two-year-old. Um, this was probably my introduction, if you want to call it that, to roller coasters. And it was just so much fun, and I thought it would be a little bit scary, and I remember going on it and really loving it. Um, and in fact, the last time Bill and I went to Disney World, uh, we went on it, I think, three or four times. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I will say there was this one uh, one time I took my brother when I was still working there, and he came to visit me. And he was, I think, seven or eight at the time. Wait, no. Yeah, he was like around eight or nine years old, actually. So he's a little kid, and he's already seen Disney fireworks already. Mm-hmm. So 
during while everyone was watching dark fireworks, we went to go go to um, Big Thunder Railroad. Oh, that's a and throw was, Oh, that's right the there. best time. And there was no line, so we yeah. got to ride it three or four times while the fireworks is going on. What? So it's right next to that's and you know cool. Frontierland is right next to the castle. So yeah. you, you get to go there while there's explosions. So it feels like it's like the mining cannons yes. and everything. That is oh, so yes. cool. That's at amazing. Night, riding the, the outdoor roller coasters at night is the, the best, best part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's uh, this is a great ride, and you know there, it's a little controversial now, Conrad, because at Disneyland they just rebuilt it, so it's yes. it's the same turns and ups and downs, but it's a smoother ride now. Oh, see, that's it's no a fun, yeah. right? Nguyen was very upset about this because part of it is supposed to be you know supposed to feel like a big old railroad. Um, but it you're supposed to you, jostle. You're supposed to like feel yeah. like you're about to hit your head. You're supposed you to feel like you're gonna go off the tracks and like little pebbles are gonna hit you. Like the yeah. mind's coming in. The yes. mind's gonna yeah. be collapsing. And it's not quite that anymore. So if you want that experience, you're gonna have to go to Disney World and the Magic Kingdom over there because it's been changed at Disneyland. Um, so good pick, good pick. Uh, my number five is also a Disney roller coaster. It's probably the newest Disney roller coaster. And my number five pick is Expedition Everest. Oh, my Everest. God. Why is it so low on your list? Spoiler alert for my list, but why oh, is it's... it so low on your list? Well, what number is it for you? It is – wait, hold on. I have to bring this out because it is number one on my list. Well, okay, Whoa. okay. Well, then okay. we should let Diana uh, talk I, about I, it. I defer to, to you, Jedi Knight. It is number one on my list because not because it's the newest, but because it is essentially like the it, it kind of to me it represents what a Disney ride is. It's, it boils it down to the essence. You go in there as soon as you get into the line, you get transported into this world. The whole set of where the lines are, it tells the story. You you walk through such an awesome yeah, cube. You walk through. See, I the, I didn't even know of the existence of this, so I have not been <gasps> in a while. It's an yeah, animal it's, kingdom. It's an animal kingdom, which is the newest kingdom mm-hmm. in Disney World, mm-hmm. and that just being in that whole uh, land and world, whatever that, you want to call Asia, it, it's in Asia because at Animal Kingdom it splits between the continent. There's Africa and there's Asia and there's. Other stuff. other stuff that doesn't have as many there's rides. There's also a yet. dinosaur land, by the way. But <laughs> and there's Rafiki's village where you can go and do uh, a petting zoo for the little kids. But, but what's so cool about Animal Kingdom as a park is you see it's the newest one, so you see Disney applying all the lessons that they've learned. Mm-hmm. So the lines work really well. Food there's is a better. Lo- the food is better. There's a lot of space, and all of this sort of culminates in Expedition Everest. So, Diana, you were saying just from the lines, you're in the story, this world. Yes, because you walk through basically the hut of where the, the, the campground of where the, because um, you're basically at the foot of the mountain, the foot of Everest, and you're trying to climb up. Oh, that's so cool. The, so you are in the camp. So when you first go through it, it's like you see their notebooks, their, um, their old arch- artifacts that they've collected that hints to the presence of a Yeti. And you're kind of like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> what is this? And you see, like, bones and you see, like, monkey, like, skulls that you're like, okay, so this is an average monkey skull. So what is this skull? Oh, my goodness, what <laughs> yeah. is up there? Yeah, yeah. And so then when you finally climb into the ride, you're like, what are we going to see? And, you, and here's the thing. There are spoilers to this roller coaster. There are spoilers to things that happen in the roller coaster that we can't reveal. That's and the best. Right? That's this awesome. Is why, 
This is why it's on my top five. And this now, is probably I, now I really have to go. And, and one of the best parts is, well, you're going to see this when you go up there, but it's, it's, one of, it's really high. And because Animal Kingdom is kind of far away from all the other parks, Expedition Everest is kind of the tallest point at that area. Yeah. So when you're at the tallest point of the roller coaster, you can see all the uh, other three parks. It's, that's really cool. And, and there are points in this ride where you, you turn to the person next to you, you're like, wait. What? No. How is that possible? And then before they can respond, something happens. Something happens. And that is Disney at its best. Mm-hmm. From the line through the ride, there's a story. And that's what Disney does better than anyone else out there when it comes to these rides. They tell stories. Um it is an intense roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is awesome. It is one of my favorites. Uh Diana, I totally get why this is your number one. And also the thing that really the last nail in the coffin that really hits it to number one is because the entire ride itself is a giant hidden Mickey. Nice. What? Yeah. Wait, what? So there's these hidden Mickeys throughout the whole park, mm-hmm. the Mickey Mouse design. It's kind of it's because none the of the ride archi- is one? None of the architects or imagineers can sign their name on their work and be like, oh, this was built by whoever. It's everyone's in it together. So they plant these hidden Mickeys everywhere, just kind of like a little nod to be like, this is what I did, so this is my little signature, this is my hidden Mickey. But the ride, the entire ride itself is a hidden Mickey. The base of the mountain the mm-hmm. whole mountain is a circle so that's mickey's head and then the ride loops on the side uh, so in an aerial view if you look straight down it's a giant hidden mickey but if you're on the ride and you're walking through the park you would never know that's so that's cool i want to look this up on google maps now um okay nicely done nicely done um let me give you guys my number four mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna say you should you should do that because you know I got I gotta say something here because Diana totally stole my thunder here. My big thunder mountain. Uh, okay, my number four is Indiana Jones Temple of the Forbidden Eye from Disneyland. Now this is a unique ride that is only present at Disneyland, not in Disney World. In uh, Ali, you and I have a mind meld. What? Whoa, out of all the rides, I did not think we are going to have a mind meld. Um, Indiana Jones? Come on. So cool, right? Now, yeah. what do you like about this ride, Conrad? Um, I just, okay, so first of all, I was very disappointed to find out that it was only in Disneyland. Because <laughs> I was just like, really? Like, why, why do they have this cool ride in Disneyland? And, and you know, I'm sure people in Disney World would really enjoy this. Do yeah, you know... Do you know why? Yeah, is it because sure. the show is connected to it? No, I think it's what's. I no, I don't know. I have no. Well, I would just be making up ideas for, at this point. From what I maybe this is just me theorizing, mm-hmm. but Magic Kingdom was kind of built as an afterthought mm-hmm. at Disney World. Disney Walt Disney wanted to build Disney World for Epcot. That was his main goal. He bought all that land secretly. He wanted he he placed his flag in Orlando, Florida to build Epcot and it right. was his brother Roy who was like you got to have Magic Kingdom. You, ha- you have to have a Disneyland there or else no right. one's going to come see Epcot. Everyone wants to go to Small World. So right. basically Disney was like, "Okay, fine. This little side plot that will be your Disneyland." They're like, "Okay, so they build Magic Kingdom. They didn't even have enough room." For Pirates of the Caribbean. Disney didn't even want it on there. And Roy, and Roy was like, that's one of your most famous rides. You have to put it there. So when they did build it, there wasn't enough room yet. So that's why at Disney World, you have that little peak where you like fall down because you go underground. Oh. Because there's actually not enough 
there was not enough room above ground to yeah. expand that ride, so you well, fall and, down. And that's one of the things about Disneyland is everything is really well integrated into the landscape there. Yes. So who knows? It's maybe it's, it's just they didn't have enough room. Maybe to put not it enough in, room, or... but. But uh, regardless, Conrad, you oh, but wrote so, it. No, I, and it's great. And what I liked about it is that, you know, one of the things we keep saying and will continue to say is that Disney builds worlds so yeah. perfectly. They yes. really immerse you in that world. And this, I mean, you feel like you're walking through the world of Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's this forbidden temple. There's all sorts of crazy stuff going on. Don't look at the eye. Whatever you do, don't look, don't at, look the at the eye. eye. You I know, will say... As a, like a ten year old child that visited, it's Disneyland. scary, right? It was so scary that I actually the first time I rode that ride, I did not look up, so I did not see anything because oh. <laughs> I was too scared. I, you to know look what? Up. I can I can see that because there I could definitely see that. I think if I had if I had experienced this as like a kid, I probably would have been like crying. <laughs> so, um, but it's exciting, it's fun, and it does it gives you that feeling that the films do. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I really I love so much about this. But and from from the from the line through the ride, you get that experience. Yes, and it's there's a few not, moments where you can like it says like there's a thing like don't touch this rope or don't open this yeah. thing and you do it and this scary thing happens. Oh, it's so it's so uh, taking you into that world. Yeah. I totally agree with you, Conrad. Um, Diana, and, what's your number? Oh, go ahead, Conrad. Oh no, I was just saying like it's you know and it's just it's not just the ride there's just everything surrounding it you know so it's like it's kind of this it's this adventure that you get to go on with everybody who's standing in line with you and everybody gets to yeah. experience yes. it um even though you know because you guys are you're kind of in these like weird car things and it's just it's an amazing immersive experience so go for it sorry what do you got for number four dana the rock and roller coaster featuring Aerosmith. I am too scared to go on it. <gasps> what? I what? am. Well, because the description was that it go because it goes uh. like so fast, and I just there. I think maybe the day because we went there with some of our friends, and the line was incredibly long. Mm. And then as we were waiting, this like woman came out and like fainted oh after she had been on it. So I was just like, yeah. I think I'm not quite in the right frame of mind to go on this. I today. will ask you this then. Have you ever been on test track? No. Okay. I was gonna say if you've been on test track, you can definitely handle rock and roller coaster because test track I think is I think I faster. could handle it maybe next time. It just it did you know what? I, I do roller coasters. Part of it is that we had gone to um um Harry Potter's Wizarding World mm. and I Dueling had Dragons. The Dueling Dragons, which I, I realized belatedly that I wearing contacts on roller coasters is not a good uh, idea. Yeah, 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 and yeah. so I was afraid they were going to fly out. So it was not the best experience. And I was worried that this would be the same, but next time I'll be prepared and I'll try it out. But Diana, tell me, tell me all about it. Convince because me. This is the child in me because it's, uh, it's the ultimate roller coaster at Disney world because you get strapped in, you go, you go twist and turn, you go, um, what's it called? I'm losing my words here. Upside down. Upside down. Thank you. You know, that very technical <laughs> word. I was like, what word is she looking for? Yeah, I, 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 feel like, I feel like an idiot for not knowing that word. But that's okay. you go upside down. But the thing is, it goes from zero to 60. And you're, very quickly. You're kind of in a, you're in a stretch limo, quote unquote. That with, you're going to the Aerosmith concert. That's the, <laughs> that's the premise. 
So you're going there. So you're going through this roller coaster. It's neon lights everywhere. It's kind of in the dark. It's kind of like Space Mountain, but rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While, yeah. while like you, the songs of Aerosmith is blasting through, so you can yeah. like spin the dulcet through it. tones of Aerosmith. <laughs> yes. So you can like go through it. Well, my favorite thing to my favorite. I always pray that they're playing dude looks like a lady on my ride because yeah, I yeah. feel like that's the ultimate when you're like going through it because you're spinning through all these neon lights and it's like yeah yeah and you're like yes but they also have like dream on and all yeah. these other Aerosmith classics but it's such a good ride and then like by the time you get and like you get scared at the very beginning but because it goes from zero to 16 seconds you get over it really quickly because by the time you realize it's starting it's already you're already on the second loop oh, so okay. I think what what happens with this ride is it's one is it's scary because you get to see people go zero to 60 yes. and you're like, oh, I don't know if I could do this. Um, but then you're right. When you're on the ride, it's OK. The other thing is it's far more intense than you would think an indoor roller coaster yes. would it's be. It's so much more intense than you think a Disney roller coaster yeah, would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Everest is far more intense than this is. But it's, um, yeah, it, it's it's deceiving in how it it, it but it's it's a lot of fun. It's just pure fun. If you're it's yeah. like geared, it's geared towards teenagers. Yeah. And it's like the ultimate roller coaster for you know, your teenage child if he's having a tantrum like this is all kids stuff. Put them on roller rock and roller coaster. <laughs> it's it's a good one. I, I like that pick. Um Conrad, let's have you go with our number three. My number three is Star Tours. That's my number one. Nice. I can't go on that ride because I get motion sick from those things. Oh, because uh, it doesn't match up. So mm-hmm. tragic. Um, Star I get, I get a little, I get a little bit not good feeling, but I go on it anyway because it's so much fun. Um, and I remember when I first, and even walking into that section of the park is so exciting, um, or at least it was exciting for me, and I was like, I have to try this out. Um, And I just had so much fun and I really, especially, you know, it was especially exciting before the prequels came out because there wasn't really a ton of, you know, there wasn't new Star Wars stuff. So I remember when I first went on it, I was just like, oh, this is the most amazing thing ever. They're bringing Star Wars back. And it was like, they have all sorts of cool things sitting around uh, the ride um, like there's the oh, you know, yeah. the speed racers the and stuff and the the droids yeah. and all that fun stuff. So, um, so yeah, I had it had to be on my list. Well, it's my number one, and specifically Star Tours: The Adventure Continues is mm. on my list as number one, which is the the brand new revised Star Tours. I have not been and on this yet. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I love the original too, and if there wasn't a, a remake. I would it would still be my number one because as I have been as many of my friends have have made fun of me for this I famously once went off that ride and the first time I had went on since I was a kid I said oh my gosh that's exactly what going to light speed would feel like and they're like really Ali because you know what it would feel like to go to light speed <laughs> I was like no 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 that's what it would feel like but I love that feeling when it does go and you do you get that temporary sort of like motionlessness kind of feeling i love that and i love the original what's so cool about this new version that just came out oh i think two years ago or something like that um there are some 55 different combinations of versions of that ride you can go on because 
it changes like Darth Vader comes comes to you, throws you through these different eras. You're trying to get out of there so you can end up in Hoth or Endor or Tatooine. You could end up in some of the prequel sites and you can end up in, in Coruscant and you can end up on Kashyyyk, the, the Wookiee planet. And you can you can end up in so many different places and you, you go to two different places, I think, on each iteration of the ride. That is so much fun. And it's now in 3D. It's a very cool 3D. Um, I love the original. I love that they remade this. And I hope they add on a little bit more to it when this new uh, uh, Star Wars trilogy is done so we can go to the new places that we're going to see here. Uh, Such a cool ride. It's my favorite. We knew a Tomorrowland ride would be number one for me. And it's Star Tours The Adventure Continues. Next time I will take a Dramamine and I will go with you. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's do it, Dan. I think we can, uh, we're we can so make it work. for a Disney World trip. Though. Or yeah, you should s- take Quell, Diana. Quell? Yep. Only available in the UK. In chewable form. Oh. It sounds like it might quell those symptoms. Oh. That is. And it's much better than Dramamine <laughs> and you only need a teeny, teeny bit. Ooh. Good to know. Next time you're traveling, pick some up at the airport. I will make a stopover to London, London on my Heathrow. way to Florida. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Dana, what's your number three? My number three is Toy Story Mania. Oh, I knew this was going to be on your list. This is one of your favorites. It yeah. is my favorite. It was one of my favorites. Sorry, my favorite. You guys already know is Expedition Everest. But <laughs> Toy Story Mania. Have you played this, Conrad? No. Um, have you been on Astro Blaster? Not Astro Blasters. Um, that what's it called? The Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> I have, uh, I have not. I don't remember what it's called, but yeah, it's, I love how Dad. Uh, you're such a big Disney nerd because yeah, you know, you're. If one of us have been on this ride, you ask us. Well, have you been on this other comparable ride? And it's like, you're just such. You know this these parts well, so inside <laughs> out. This is why she is our guest today. Perfect, perfect. This is choice. what happens when you give. <laughs> A, a lowly paid employee, cast member, six months and free uh, reign of the parks. <laughs> so what else are you going to do? I don't have, and I didn't have a car. So it's just like, just took the bus and then just was in the parks. Might all as well ride the, the rides. Mm-hmm. So Toy Story Mania. Yes. It is a arcade plus a ride. Is that, I guess that's the simplest way to put it. And you basically... Go through the line part is amazing because you go through Andy's room, and in this in the um, point of view of a toy, so everything is blown up. Yeah, there's there's chutes and ladders, and there's like the, those little link monkeys. What are those called? Uh, link monkeys. I don't you know. You know, like those barrel. No, monkeys. I know. Yeah. I, I just don't know what they're called. Hanging from the ceiling. There's a huge life size like Scrabble and like Candyland. There's playing cards and Mr. This is Potato you, talking Mr. Potato yes while you're walking through the line and when you get in there you sit in these little booths kind of like a it's like a carnival yeah carnival style kind of uh, I want to say Board like the Adventures of Winnie the Pooh rides where you just go in and it's just like oh sure it's just like those boats that keeps on going so um, there's there's not that much long but wait the only reason why there's a long way is because there's so many people that want to go on this ride yeah. so get a fast pass for that Definitely get a fast pass before you get on any fast passes for um, what's it called for not MGM Hollywood Studios because those go out really fast. But you sit there and you go through different panels and you basically shoot 
everything. And it's like kind of like a carnival on a ride plus an arcade game. It's 3D and you get to shoot pies at people's faces. You play, you play ring toss and all that stuff. And at the very and you're end, competing. you compete. Oh, and that's cool. You tell, you, it shows you the score between you and your partner who's in the um, car with you. And also your overall score for whoever has played that day and whoever has played that month. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I am so, totally going to do this. Oh, it's uh, Conrad. You and you and Bill would have a blast on this right. Oh, I'm thinking we should plan a very special Super Fantastic Nerd Hour live from Disney World. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that would be on location at Disney World. Come say hi. That would be the best episode of this podcast ever. Actually, friend of the show Randy Nason has requested that we do an amusement park episode <gasps> at some point. That could so, be a lot of fun, especially because we're, we're going into summer now. What's a better time? What's a better time to do this? Um, that's a good pick, Diana. Diana um, introduced me to this ride, and I loved it so much that one year as a gift, you got me the home version of Toy Story Mania. Which yes, the a Wii of version of yeah. Toy Story. Which you then proceeded to kick my butt at. Um, but we don't have to talk about that. Mm-hmm. My number three is a ride that celebrates the state of my birth, the state that I was raised in, the state I love, the state I am very far away from, and it makes me sad every day. I remember that. It is called Soren. That is my number two. Yes! Almost my belt. Um, this is, I believe, the original ride at California Adventure, which was one of the A-ticket rides for the original California Adventure, if you are a Disney nerd, you know the, what a ticket means. Um, I think it was originally called Soarin' Over California, and when they brought it to Disney World, where is it in Disney World, Anna? Epcot. It's in Epcot. Yeah. At, at Disney World, they just renamed it just Soarin'. But this ride is amazing. And why is it amazing, Diana? Because you get to soar over California. <laughs> I mean, it, it, like, it, it, it is very not- cool. It's on my honorable mentions. It is. It's such an experience. It's fun. Yeah. The whole time, and also, I have a fear of heights, so it, it was very real to me about soaring through California, like doing a hang glider, because it's kind of, it's mimicking that sensation that you get, and you're kind of going through California on a hang gliding thing, I guess, and it's it's really cool because your legs are dangling, the wind is blasting in your face, and you go see all these different sites of California from, like, the golf courses to the orange trees to, like... San Diego Battleship, mm-hmm. you see uh, Napa Valley, you see Yosemite, you see um, San Francisco, Golden Gate, um, you see, and then it ends at uh, Disneyland, which Christmas. is amazing. Disneyland during Disneyland Christmas, Christmas. I So my first experience going on this ride was in college where my roommate, my buddy, Frankie Alkinsell, uh shout out to, to you, Frankie, if you're listening to this episode. And if you're not, you better be listening to this podcast because this is all Disney. He took me to this ride and didn't tell me what was going to happen or what it was about. And I just got to say that I was so, so amazed and in awe of how it worked. How simple it is! It's kind of a simple like. It was based the person who the Imagineer who did it got inspiration from his old Erector set. Yeah, and that's how he built that ride based off of that. And it's such a simple thing, but then there's the smell of the oranges and the crisp feeling of the water of the Pacific Ocean. Oh, I was just so enamored with this ride. I thought it was so thrilling and beautiful. it's it's so in, this is what's so cool about Disney, you guys. We've got Expedition Everest, we've got Toy Story Mania, we've got Indiana Jones, 
uh, Philharmonic, and Sword, they all do such different things, and they all tell stories, and I love the story that Soren tells. So that's my number three. Diana, that's your number two. That brings us back to you, Conrad. What's your number two? Um, mine, actually, my last two, because I'll, I'll unveil them together, are both... What? Well, they're both... Well, they both have the word space in them, and so my number two is Mission Space, and my number one is Space Mountain. Um, oh, and, yes. Yeah, so Mission Space is... I mean, it's a pretty intense ride, so it's... I think if, you know... If you're not into that kind of thing, Diana, have you ever been on this? I have. I go on the green mission. The green mission. So there's the non-vomit one. Yeah, yeah this is where you worked, Diana. I worked there. Yes, that's where I worked at Mission Space. I was. Oh, at I didn't the, know that. Yes, I was. I alternate between Mission Space and Test Track. I oh, was. Oh, that's so cool. Stationed at Epcot, um, and it was really funny because the coworkers that that were there, my other fellow cast members, they were all very old and facing retirement, and they were there. And I asked them why they would they and they had many opportunities to transfer transfer to other places. So I'm like, why did you pick Test Track and Mission Space? And they said it was because it was closest to the parking lot. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so sad. But, Mission, but the whole idea behind Mission Space, the story that they're telling, is that it's supposed to be simulating what an astronaut is going to feel if they do a mission to Mars. So okay, it's space. They're going to Mars. You know, they're it's it's totally awesome. Garrett's niece. You get the four occupations, you have the navigator. Yeah, no, it's so cool. It's just, it's an experience. And it's, it, when I first went on this, I'm like, oh, it's all the excitement. I always wanted to go to space camp. No, it's, you know, that kind of a thing. um, It does make you feel like it, though, because they're like, you have to push the button, you have to pull the lever. And it's like, oh my God, I can't. This is my job. It's very interactive and it's fun. It's so much fun. I, I love this. And, uh, so it was, it is definitely my number two. Um, I, you know what? I feel like, I don't know that I've ever done the high intensity. I feel like I'm a green person too. Um, um they give you two options of the ride for those who yeah. have not ridden the ride. The green one is the more watered down one and the orange is more intense. Yeah. But it is actually a lot, even the orange one is a lot less intense than it originally was. Cause in the original one, I was told because some of my coworkers were actually there working when they it first opened. There was a lot of protein spills, which is Mickey Mouse code for vomiting. <laughs> yeah, they actually protein didn't. They spills. have to. They I thought they had to lower the intensity generally, even on because there was a lot of health problems. Yes, related to this ride when they first when they first opened. Um, so I, I went with uh, Mission Space is awesome. It didn't make my top five. For some reason, I think because it's just so awesome. But um, my my buddy Matt Fitzgerald and I, my other Disney geek friend. Oh my gosh, I have so many Disney geek friends. We all need to go together. Field trip. Yes, make it so. Um, so we went on it, and we went on the orange version mm-hmm. uh, twice in one day. So here's the thing. Two days before that, we went to Cape Canaveral. We saw a space shuttle launch, STS-125, the mission to, to fix Hubble. Um, and they have a space shuttle simulator there. And yes. it is so weak sauce. It's weak, <laughs> it's weak compared to it, but it's still fun. Like Bill it's and I went, fun. Bill and I went on it because we got to see one of the last Discovery launches. Yeah. Which was, that was amazing, but the simulator wasn't as cool. <laughs> so. The simulator wasn't as cool. Mission it's kind space. of like it's kind of like I don't even know how to describe it. It's just not mission space does it so well. It really does. Well, it's the real technology right. that is used to train astronauts. 
And orange is intense, you guys. If you if you do not if you, you don't like spinning, looking, if you don't like oh, spinning, do over. not do orange. Game no. over if you don't like spinning. Um, you have to constantly look straight because it, I forget what the technology is called, but it's spinning you around at such a fast rate. It's simulating what it all those G's that you experience when you're when you're launching into outer space. It's happening so fast that uh, if you look to the side, you're going to get dizzy and you're going to throw up. And once, once it simulates the launch, then it moves to a different degree where it simulates more of that um, uh, the, the free-floating nature of being in space, and that's much lighter. But this is an intense ride. Yeah. And it is prob- I, I felt like it was the closest I will ever get yes. to launching yeah. into space, and I love that. And for those who are more queasy and more prone to motion sickness, you guys can go to the gift shop and partake on some astronaut ice cream while you wait for your friends. Absolutely. Mm. And you won't be throwing that one up because it is delicious. Uh, Good pick, Conrad. Your number two was Mission Space. My number two is something I'm very surprised was not on your guys' top five, and it's the Haunted Mansion. Uh, It is in my honorable mentions. I love I love it, too. I love it, too. It's my honorable mention, but I will say I go to that ride at the end of the day when I need to rest my feet. Okay, or you want to be in an air-conditioned environment. What I love about it is all the technology and, um, you know, the whole idea of this room stretching. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, it's so cool. cool. So cool. And then the ghost dancing. Mm -hmm. For years, I have wondered how they did that. They're real ghosts. They're, that's what I now know that they are real ghosts. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I love how they do that. I'm not going to spoil how that works for those of you who are wondering how they trapped those ghosts. Um, I, I, and then I, I love, love how, I love the fortune teller head in the jar. That's always exciting. Oh yeah. yeah, and I love that. Like how all these ghosts and goblins and ghouls are—they're just like dancing and singing songs and having a good old time. Um, it's a great little adventure, and I also love how the cast members get into the it. Cast members are cool. Oh. People really, you need to really ace your interview and your um, pre- <coughs> presentation when you apply to become a cast member at Haunted Mansion. It's a very, that and, um, what's it called? And Do they have specific Power auditions Power. for it, Diana? No. Is it? No, it's just that um, it's personality of what, and if you want to be like an, um, on the ride and stuff like that, because at the reason why they, think a little bit more highly for Haunted Mansion and Tower of Terror is because you will, those are the cast members that are allowed to be rude, uh, slightly rude to the guests. Mm. Huh. They can be, they can turn up their noses a little bit at the guests. But you gotta do it in a Disney yes, magic exactly. way. It has to be oh. with, in character, right? Yes. Oh, Interesting. That's good. That's good. Well, um, our number ones have been revealed. Mine is Star Tours Adventure Continues. Diana, yours is Expedition Everest. Mm-hmm. Conrad, yours is Space Mountain. Yep. Which, um, for obvious reasons, I told the story earlier. We don't need to expand more, but that's still, that is, when I when I think of Disney rides, that's always the first one that pops into my head, so I figured it had to be my number one. And, I, I will say, I have taken a ride on Space Mountain when it has broken down and all the lights are up. Oh, that's and- so terrible. It ruins the magic. No, but it, it was it was fascinating because you can see this <laughs> inner dome of all these like of this rickety like roller. Coaster. I thought I was going to die because once the lights are up, you realize how tiny the, the, space the tracks is. are and how far like 
the the track over your head is actually not that much higher up. It's so there's just not like much thing. space between the spaces. Mountain, yes. is what you're saying. Yeah, you know, what's what's interesting about Space Mountain is there are different tracks actually in Disneyland and Disney and World. And Disney World. Yeah. They're very different experiences. One is side by side, and one is only one person yes. per row. It, and the Disney one was just retrofitted, um, which it's gorgeous. It's amazing. They use all this fiber optic stuff. Disney World also actually just has just got renovated for their Space Mountain. Oh, so I nice. don't know how much they've updated because I haven't been back since then. I haven't been back. Yeah, I think it was closed when I went last. But that's a great ride. I, I even though love that. even though it gives me whiplash a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but that comes with the territory. Right. Um, we got some <laughs> honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that haven't been mentioned. Um, on my end, Jungle Cruise. I love oh, it yes. because it's a different experience every time, uh, depending on who's leading it. Turtle Talk with Crush. Oh, my God. So good. Turtle love Talk. that ride because you're like real-world interaction. And last but not least, the Enchanted Tiki Room because there's nothing better what? than get... Yes? Ness? Hear Did me you get bo- Do you get Boba there? No, I, no, I get something better What do you Boba, get there? And that's Dole Whip. That is that <gasps> magical. Oh my gosh, you're totally delicious. right. That is the most delicious right? thing but that of all time. Right, no, but here's what you got to do. Pro tip: you get a Dole Whip. It's a hot day. You go into the tiki room. You eat your Dole Whip. You enjoy the birds singing the tiki 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 room. It is wonderful experience, Diana. All right. Those are my honorable mentions. What do you got from us? My honorable mentions are the Matterhorn. Yeah. Obviously, Tower of Terror. Because they brought back the Twilight Zone, they Disney-fied it, which is amazing. Ninu, 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 ninu. And hold on, I'm drawing a blank here for my honorable mentions. What else am I forgetting? Uh, oh, Splash Mountain. That's what Tim talking. Splash Mountain, because that also encompasses the whole Disney storytelling. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, with the multiple layers. Yeah. Yeah. I had Splash Mountain on honorable mentions, and I I already said Haunted Mansion and Soren were on mine. So. Very nice. Well, we got some quick feedback, uh, Conrad, uh, from our last episode who actually generated a lot of feedback. Um, So just wanted to give a shout out to some of our listeners. At Drew Gilbert said, for people who like the sort of bridge movies like Mad Max and The Final Frontier, they might like The Rover um, movie I haven't seen, but I might add it to my list. Thank you for that, Drew Gilbert. Uh, we also uh, had some uh, Alan Bailward. He really friend, loved the Mad Max. Friend of the show, Alan Bailward. Alan, friend of the show. Um, he was kind of coming to my defense here a little bit, Conrad, and really liked our Mad Max episode and said, glad I wasn't the only one thinking Furiosa when he said it um, and gave us a link to some awesome B-roll in that. Um, We also got some episode feedback on previous episodes. So going back to episode 25, where we had top five female assassins, um, at Goose Cheka said, started watching Dollhouse, was waiting for it to get good. Episode 25 saved me a lot of time. And I think that was the episode where we said, don't, don't watch do it. <laughs> so you're welcome. Maybe, for that maybe watch the last one, I guess. But no, no, the season finales. Yeah. 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 And last but not least, at M. Carroll said um, episode 66 um, with parallel universe episode asked, why not the next generation's tapestry? And uh, we responded and said we talked about that episode on our lost mm-hmm. episode. And how much we top five stories about regret and how that is one of the best. So really we is. love getting feedback, you guys. We'd love to 
to hear what you think about Tomorrowland. Let us know. At Nerd Hour is our home on Twitter. We have a website, superfantasticnerdhour.com, and you can also reach us by email, info at superfantasticnerdhour.com. We also, if you love Disney, please do us a favor and check out Diana's YouTube channel, Without a License, where you've got this awesome Disney episode, also awesome episodes about visiting all sorts of crazy, awesome, amazing stuff. Diana, where can people find you and your YouTube channel? They can find me on my website, www.withoutlicense.com. The A was already taken. Gosh darn it. (laughs) So my blogs are there as well. It has a link to my YouTube channel and all my Twitters and Facebooks and all that stuff to get in contact with me. And yeah, if you really love Disney and you only have one day at Disneyland, you can check out my YouTube channel to see how I pulled two parks in one day with some very comfortable shoes. Nice. Um, Conrad, word on the street is you have another podcast with slightly un-Disney things. Sometimes it's Disney. No. <laughs> um, but when we talk about Paranorman, that's not Disney. <laughs> um, but in any case, uh, Reanimated is what Ali is referring to. And that's reanimatedpodcast.com. And on the Twitters, we're reanimatedpcast. And you can find me at brainknowsbetter.com where I talk about the psychology of science fiction, debating about talking about uh, and or doing a blog post on Tomorrowland. We'll see. It depends on how busy work is this week. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, I am at Olimatu. And last but not least, if you go to thepsychshow.com, that'll take you to my YouTube channel, which was, Diana, you taught me everything I know about doing a YouTube channel. So thank you for that. No problem. And if we are unable to cut out the barks of Maji, you can follow her at hashtag Maji. She's on Instagram. That's right. Go follow I'm not Maji. cutting out Maji. She's part of the show. Okay, then hashtag M-W-A-J-I. Just Google search it and you'll find the, the pictures of her. Uh, the cutest pup in the world. And with that, dear nerdlings, uh, until next time, please do us a favor and live long and prosper. Indeed. Infinity and beyond. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's-